dismissed to junior church. Mark chapter 4. And we're in Mark chapter 4, and we're getting down to the end of the chapter here. And we will finish the chapter today. And uh, up to this point, we've seen that Christ has taught many parables uh, to the crowds and to his disciples. We know that a lot of times Christ would teach the crowds a parable. And then afterwards, the disciples would come up to Jesus and say, Hey, what, what exactly did this mean? They wanted more understanding. And we know that Christ would uh, elaborate on what uh, he, he had to say. And we, we see a lot of parables here. And it really, all of this happened in one day. All these parables happened in one day. And uh, it actually is very likely that this, this, this teaching even went all the way back to Mark chapter 3 verse 20. When the Pharisees, you remember how the Pharisees accused him of being a tool of Satan. You remember that? Uh, so this was a, a long day of teaching and preaching for Jesus Christ, and this would bring him to a place of exhaustion. Now, all of you here probably have, have had a time in your life uh, where you were just wiped out. You were just exhausted. You were just spent. You were just uh, ready to be done for the day, right? And maybe some of you guys have had that this week. Uh, maybe some of you guys are just done with the week, right? You're just exhausted. You're tired. Well, that's where we find Jesus in our text. He is spent. He is exhausted. He is tired. And now, uh, after this long day of teaching, he leads his disciples on a getaway. But this getaway was not quite the, the type of getaway that they would be hoping for. This, was, this getaway would bring them terror and, and helplessness and apparent ruin. So Christ, what he does here and what he's going to do, and we'll see in our text, is that he's taking his disciples from the classroom and he brings them to real life. Now, we know that as we, as we hear the preaching of the Word of God, as you, you sit in Sunday school and you learn things about the Bible and, and you take the time during your devotions to uh, read the Word of God, uh, there's a difference between hearing it and applying it, right? So that's what, that's what Jesus is, is going to be doing here. He's going to say, okay, you've learned all of these things. I've talked to you about faith, I've talked about the gospel, I've talked to you about uh, many things, I've given you many parables, and now it's time to put it into practice. So that's what uh, Jesus was going to do. He was going to take them from the classroom, and then he was going to bring them to real life. So let's look at Mark chapter 4, verse 35. The Bible says, And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude... They took him even as he was in the ship. And there also, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for this time that we can be together. I pray, Lord, that you will just uh, 
give us exactly what we need this morning. God, I know that there are people uh, in our midst right now that are going through some storms in life. They're going through hard times that they don't understand. And and some people have been going uh, through a storm that seems like it will last forever and it just will not stop. I know that some people have, have been going through some stuff even just this week. God, I pray that you'll give them grace. I pray that you'll give them peace. I pray that you will, you'll, you'll teach them uh, what you want them to learn in this time. And I pray that as we look at uh, the, this event here with the disciples, that you will just uh, help us to trust you more in the midst of our storms. And Lord, I pray uh, if for those here that have not, they're not going through a storm, God, I pray that you'll just help them to learn as well. Because Lord, we know... Uh, that as your children, we go through trials and tribulations, and there are things that will come up, and we just need to trust you. So I pray, God, that we would do that. And Lord, I also pray that you'll be with those uh, here this morning that are not saved, uh, that, that have not trusted in you. They don't have the peace of God. I pray that today will be the day that they get saved, and that they will call upon you for salvation and trust in your Son, Jesus Christ, for forgiveness of sin. I pray, Lord, that you'll just give me the right words to say, and that you'll just uh, uh, work Uh, Have your spirit do a great work in our hearts uh, this morning uh, for all of us, God, including my own. And we love you, Lord, and thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As as I I mentioned, and what we really see from this text is that there are times in our life that God, he places his people in the middle of a storm. It's just, that's just what happens. And again, as I've said a few times this morning, there are people in our church that are dealing with problems. There are many people in our community that are dealing with storms, uh, whether that could be the storm of a sudden death uh, or the storm of sudden health problems or the storm of a, of a job loss or the storm of uh, marital problems or some other severe storm that maybe nobody even knows about except for you. Uh, People are going through hard times. People are going through issues and trials and tribulations. But here is the comforting truth that we can realize. Through it all, Jesus Christ is Lord over every storm. Now, if we ever needed a passage that showed just crystal clearly the humanity and the deity of Jesus Christ, it's this passage. It is on full display. And I love this passage uh, as it shows us that. And we're going to talk about that. But I've broken down this passage into five brief points. Uh, First, we see the desire. The desire of Christ. Look at verse 35 and verse 36 again. It says, And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, uh, took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. So I just want to point out real quick, in verse 35 it says, on the same day. So again, this shows us that Christ, he had been preaching all day. He had been teaching all day. And, and because of this, he would be tired. So when even, uh, when, when even came, which was the evening, Christ said, hey, to his disciples, let's, let's just go. Let's go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, And this other side would actually be the eastern side, okay? And this eastern side would be a lot less populated uh, than uh, the western side. So there would be less likely that he would run into other people. And again, Christ, he just needed to get away. And, you know, we've talked about this before. Remember how we talked about Christ departing into a mountain to pray? Listen, sometimes you just got to get away. Sometimes you just got to break off from ministry and you have to go and be with the Father, 
and just be alone and just take time in prayer and time in the word. Well, this is what Christ did. He just wanted to get away. So he said, let's go to the other side. Let's go to the eastern side where there's not a lot of people. And, and it's important to know, church, listen to this. Christ ordered this event. Christ said to the disciples, let's go to the other side. He was the one. This was his idea. Okay, so you need to remember that. Uh, he ordered this whole event. So the disciples, they, they sent the crowds away. They obediently did what he said. They sent the crowds away. And the Bible tells us here that they took him into the boat. Look at it there. It says in verse 36, when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. So this, this taking of Jesus is actually the same verb that's used in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, when the angel said to Joseph, hey, take Mary and your son and flee to Egypt. So, so physically, take him. So again, we see here that Jesus, he was so tired, the disciples had to literally take him into their care. And again, we see Jesus Christ, his humanity on full display. Listen, Jesus Christ, he was fully man. He got, listen, he got tired. He got hungry. He got weary, as we see here. He got sad. He had emotions. He was fully man. And yet, he was fully God. Yet, he was completely sinless. Now, we know this had to be the case in order for him to bridge the gap between God and man, right? Uh, he had to come to earth, and he had to die. Uh, he had to be completely uh, man and completely God, as hard as that is for us to comprehend. Uh, he had to be that so that he could reconcile us unto God, because nobody here, nobody here is able to pay the penalty for their sin, because we're sinful people. And uh, the, our reconciliation to God, it required a perfect sacrifice because of the fact that God is completely holy and He's set apart. He can have no part with sin. So that means, as you know, He could have no part with us. That's why Jesus Christ had to come. That's why He had to uh, be fully God and fully man. And listen, Jesus Christ was the only one and is the only one that could bridge the gap between God and man. There, listen, there's no works of righteousness that you can do to bring you forgiveness from God. There's none. It is only through trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior. So, Jesus Christ, He desired to go to the other side. He told the disciples, let's go there. He needed to rest. Uh, he, he needed uh, to sleep. But He did not only bring these disciples to this other side so He could rest. Okay, uh, There was another layer to this. He brought them here also so that the, the faith of the disciples could be tested. So let's look again at Mark chapter 4. Look at verse 40, uh, 37. We see the disaster. Verse 37 and verse 38. It says, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Now, we see this storm, it just comes out of nowhere. And again, I want to remind you, Jesus Christ led them to this place. Okay, he led them there. And if this teaches us anything, church, it shows us that as Christians, we can never truly know what awaits us as we follow the Lord. You, know, you, know, you don't ever know. You might think, oh, things will be fine. No, you don't know. Hey, Christ may lead you directly into a storm. And we see that here. Suddenly, just out of nowhere, 
a storm of wind came upon the disciples. Now, uh, this was very common for this area uh, because the Sea of Galilee, which really is a lake, uh, there are mountains that surround the Sea of Galilee, and it's nearly 700 feet below sea level. So this, this would be a common occurrence back then. It's a common occurrence back now. Uh, this storm just quickly came upon them. And you know, church, this also teaches us how quickly life can change, too. I mean, one, just think about this. The disciples are like, hey, Jesus wants to go to the other side. We're just going to have a nice, relaxing time. We're going to be quiet because, you know, he's sleeping. He needs his rest. It's going to be a peaceful time. And then all of a sudden, there was no peace whatsoever. It was chaos. It was a disaster. Uh, and truly, we know from this that storms uh, can, can really quickly come upon our life. I think of, of Job. I mean, man, you talk about somebody that had everything physically, right? And, and he, was, he was living for God. He was a righteous man. And things were going great. And then all of a sudden, just in, in the blink of an eye, his whole life changed. And things just, things just changed very quickly. And that can happen in the life of us as Christians as well. Uh, but this storm, it was not just any type of storm. It was not just like a, a couple gusts of winds. It was a, a terrible storm. The Greek word actually for this storm speaks of a furious hurricane-like storm. This was a violent storm. This storm had very a lot of furious gusts. It had uh, floods of rain. It had There would be thundering and there would be lightning. And it says that their waves were beating into the ship, which means that the waves were being thrown upon the ship. They were being thrown into the ship. The, the waves were throwing themselves into this boat. And this throwing is made in the imperfect tense, which speaks to the fact that it was repeatedly happening. So the, the waves kept on uh, throwing themselves into the ship. It was, it was no uh, light storm. And Matthew's account of this event tells that the ship it was covered with waves. And it was so covered that the ship even filled with water. So again, we see a, a very chaotic scene. I mean, just imagine how crazy this would be. Uh, imagine how insane it would be to be in the midst of this. And let me ask you this. Do you think that this storm, that again, Jesus brought them here. He said, let's go to this other side. And then all of a sudden the storm comes up. Do you think that this was a coincidence? Of course it wasn't. Well, church, we need to understand that the same storm, the storms that God will take you through and that He takes you to, they are no coincidence either. They serve a purpose. And we're going to see what the purpose is. But through it all, this is a very interesting part of this, through all the storms, the, the, the things that were happening in the storm, Christ, He remained asleep. Let's look at verse 38. I, I think this is kind of funny. Uh, it, wasn't, it wouldn't be funny if I was there, but this is kind of funny. You're looking at it 2,000 years later, right? Look at verse 38. What, what is Jesus doing? He's in the hinder part of the ship. I sleep on a pillow. Okay? So, Jesus, he was so exhausted, he was so spent, he was so tired, that he slept through this. And the waves were, were flooding the boat. The, the, the boat had been rocking back and forth. Again, there's thunder and lightning everywhere. It's, it's a chaotic scene, and maybe even the disciples, maybe... They were, I mean, we know they were terrified, so who knows? They were probably making a lot of noise, and, and they were afraid. And yet, Christ was still asleep. He was so tired. And it tells us that he, he slept on a pillow in the hinder part of the ship, which would simply be a, a leather cushion. And this leather cushion 
was something that the steermen would use. They would sit on it and they would steer the ship and, and make it go where it needed to go. And yet, the disciples, they are so terrified. They, they come to Jesus and, and listen, let me tell you, we need to remember this. These disciples that came to them, there were, there were disciples here that were seasoned fishermen. They would have seen storms before. So when you have fishermen that are terrified, that are used to the waters, you know this is crazy. You know that, you're, that there's a problem. And they, and they said, man, listen, Christ, the Christ, don't you care that we're going to die? I remember a few times I've been on a lobster boat. We lived down in the Steuben area when I was young, and I went on a lobster boat a couple times, and I, I was not used to the water. I was not used to the boat. And I remember a few times that the boat would get kind of, it would rock, and then the waves would come up, and it wasn't even a storm, and I was scared. And I would look at the captain, the guy who was running the boat, and he just had a calmness in his eyes because he was used to it. He, he understood the water. He knew we would be okay. But this storm was so bad that these seasoned fishermen, they were terrified. And Luke actually tells us that this storm was so bad that th their life was even in jeopardy. Let's go look at that at Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. And verse 23. Luke chapter 8, verse 23. It says, But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. So their life was on the line here. They, 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 they felt they were going to die. Their life was in jeopardy. And I just want to kind of point out here, uh, just imagine the confusion. Again, they went where Christ told them to go. They obeyed. They were doing what Christ said to do, and now look what was happening. They're, they might die. So imagine the confusion that they must have felt. Maybe they were saying, why would, he, why would he bring us here? Knowing that this was going to happen, why would he bring us to our death? And church, how often have we felt confused at times as we try to live our life for God? How often do we feel at times when we're trying to live in obedience to God and then suddenly we're placed in the midst of a storm and we wonder, God, why would you allow this? I'm trying to live for you. And we see that in the Bible with Asaph. We see that in the Bible with David, where you're trying to live for God, and then, and then things happen. Well, church, we know, and if, if we were to be consistent with the teachings of the Bible and Jesus in particular, we know that obedience to God does not always guarantee smooth sailing. And in fact, His presence in our life doesn't always uh, guarantee smooth sailing. As a matter of fact, we could say the opposite is true. Christ, we know he promised that his followers and his disciples, they would go through trials. They would go through tribulations. They would go through storms. Now, I know that there's a popular teaching out there, and uh, hopefully no, nobody here, but that tells us that, well, you know, if you trust Christ and you give him in your life, then your, your life is going to be a bed of roses. Everything's going to be fine. That's a lie. That's not biblical at all. That's not true at all. Christ said that my people will go through trials. They will go through tribulations. And let's look at that in John chapter 16. John chapter 16. 
I can't, I don't even, I can't even wrap my mind around people that say that and, and believe it to be true. I mean, how, what do you do with all the disciples except for one that was murdered? They were martyrs for Christ. What do you do with people that suffered great persecution in the early church? And Christ made it clear, we will have times of tribulation. Look at John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus said, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. And it says, in the world ye shall. See that? Ye shall have tribulation. You will have tribulation. However, there's another part to this. He doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, well, you know, you're going to have hard times and then I'm going to leave you and you're, you're just going to be on your own. No, no, no. He says, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Amen. Hey, listen, we will have tribulations. We will have times of trials. We will have storms in our life uh, where things just don't make sense. However, we can know that Christ has overcome the world. You know, there, there are times in the midst of our tribulations and our trials that we may be scared. Again, for those of you that are going through stuff right now, maybe you're scared. Maybe you're worried about the outcome like these disciples. They were terrified of the outcome. What's going to happen? We're going to die. They were terrified of what was going to happen. And maybe you're here this morning and, and you're going through some storm and you've even questioned God. Again, like the disciples have, you've questioned God. Maybe you've asked why. Maybe you've said, God, why would you allow this to happen in my life? God, why would you put me in this storm? God, why would you cause this to happen to my job? Or why would you bring this health crisis in my life right now? This is the last thing that I need. Or why would you allow this family turmoil to happen to me? Or why would you allow the, the death of a loved one that I was so close to to happen. Or maybe you've even asked God, like the disciples asked Christ, don't you care? Don't you care? Well, listen, I want you to know this morning, He does care. Amen. He does care. And there is a purpose for these storms. Whatever it is that you're going on your, is, is going on in your life right now, there is a purpose for it. In times of storms, it is then that our faith is truly tested. In times of storms, we find out where our faith truly lies. One pastor said that the ultimate test of faith is not how loudly you praise God in happy times, but how deeply you trust Him in the dark times. Hey, listen, God was using this storm... For the disciples to grow their faith. They accepted everything he said. In, in his classroom if you will. In his teaching. But they still had to learn. How to trust in him. They still needed to have more faith. And likewise today. God uses storms. To test us. He uses storms to grow our faith. He uses storms to liken us. Unto the image of of his son. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. I'm going to look at a couple places here concerning this truth. In Romans chapter 5. <clears throat> look at Romans chapter 5. Look at verse 3. 
And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Let's just stop there. Glory in your tribulations. Huh. It says, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience, experience. And experience, hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Hey, look. Tribulations and trials and problems and storms, they have a purpose. And it could be that Christ is in God, that He is trying to uh, grow your faith, to, to cause you to be more patient, to cause you to be more like Him. Let's go to James chapter 1. And, and remember in Romans how it says, Glory in your tribulations. That's such, that seems kind of unnatural, doesn't it? That's not what we normally do. Normally, when we go through trials and tribulations, we pity ourselves. We, we tell our friends or our family and we say, oh, woe is me. Well, well, God wants us to, to have joy in it because it does serve a purpose. Look at James chapter 1, verse 2. How does James start off this letter? After verse 1, he says in verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy. When you fall into divers temptations or testings, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Alright, so we see very clearly here that storms, they do serve a purpose. They do help. Uh, they do grow our faith. And here's the thing, church, like the disciples... We need more than spiritual understanding. We need more than teaching on faith. We need more than parables. And look, that does not take away from the Word of God at all. We need the Word of God. But we also need to have our faith tested. We need our faith to be tested. And this storm on the sea brought a storm in the hearts of the disciples that it just caused a lot of doubts. Now, again, remember... Christ led them here. And also remember, Christ was right there with them. He was there. But he remained unfazed through the entire thing. And let's go back and see that in Mark chapter 5. Thirdly, we see the demand. Look at Mark chapter 4, verse 39. Mark chapter 4, verse 39. Jesus gives a demand. It says... In verse 39, he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Again, we saw the humanity of Christ, right? He was tired, he was asleep. Uh, even with the water all around him and, and the rocking of the boat, he was still sleeping. And now we see his deity. Now we see the truth that he is God. It tells you that he rebuked the wind. You just think about like a parent rebuking a child as they're disobedient. He rebuked the wind. And he says, peace. And that peace here, it means be silenced. Be hushed. And he says, peace, be still. And this means, this be still, it means to be muzzled. Just think about a dog 
uh, that just won't stop barking. They just bark, 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 bark. You probably have neighbors like that, right? <laughs> or your dogs just keep barking. But the, but the dog here, he says, be, mu be muzzled, be still. It's like a dog being uh, just really loud and going from barking, but instead now he's going to whimpering. He's, he can't bark anymore. Now we know that storms, they typically, they subside gradually. However, when the creator of the universe gave this order, the storm ceased immediately. Look again at verse 39. He says, and he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace be still. And look what it says, and the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Hey, look, this, this did not happen gradually. This was not drawn out. The nature was not fighting with Jesus to try to continue on. This was immediate. And this, again, it shows us that Christ was indeed God because only God could do this. Let's go to Psalm chapter 89. Psalm chapter 89. Look at verse 9. <clears throat> Psalm 89. The Bible says in verse 9 of God, Thou rulest the raging of the sea. When the waves thereof arise, Thou stillest them. Go to Psalm 107. Psalm 107, look at verse 28 and 29. Psalm 107, verse 28 and 29, the Bible says, Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. And you know what we learn from this? And what we know from this is that God rules over the waters. He controls the seas. And just as Christ commanded the storm to be still, tell me this, how could the waves not obey the one that created them? Now we know that Christ has always had control over the waters. He's always had control over the seas. I think of the Red Sea. When Christ caused it to split so that Moses and the Israelites could go through. I think of Joshua and the Israelites as they had to go over the the Jordan River, and what happened there? Again, Christ caused the, the, the ground to be dry. I think of the control that Christ had over the waters as he brought that storm upon Jonah to cause him to accomplish his will. Listen, Christ has always had control over the waters. He's always had control over the seas. And likewise, he always has control over storms in our lives. And thankfully, He has not left us. He has not forsaken us. He has not left us helpless. And He shows us in Mark chapter 4 that He has the authority to change our circumstances. He has the ability to make things better. He has the ability to, to get us through the storm because Christ is greater than the storm. Hey, listen, do you believe that? that? That storm that you're going through right now, do you believe that Christ is greater than that storm? He is. And he proved this to be so as he caused 
the, the storm to, to stop. He causes it to cease. And then after he did that, he addresses the disciples' lack of faith. Let's go back to Mark chapter 5. And we see, fourthly, the declaration in Mark chapter 4, verse 40. And I love what he says here. I wouldn't want to be the disciples after this. In verse 40. But look what Jesus says. He rebukes them sharply in verse 40. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Jesus immediately, after, after the, the, the storm was raging and, the, and they thought they were going to die and the, the waves were coming in the boat, he immediately says to them after he calms the sea, he says, Why are you so afraid? It's as if to tell them, Look, I brought you here. I told you to go here. I, I, I've been with you the whole time. How could you think you were going to die? How could you possibly have such an emotional meltdown knowing that I told you to go here and I'm here with you right now? He said, listen, you lack faith. Now, the, these, these men, remember church, they saw Christ do many things. Just what we've seen so far in Mark. They've seen Christ uh, cast out demons. They've seen Christ heal people. Uh, they saw Christ read the thoughts of the Pharisees. So they knew he was God. They knew that he could do incredible things. And yet, they still lacked faith. Now consider this. Even after this, the disciples still lacked faith. Peter lacked faith. We know that he would, uh, and we'll get to that point some, sometime here, uh, he lacked faith when he uh, saw the, the, the waves in the water while he was walking on the water. And he didn't look to Jesus anymore. Instead, he looked off to the side. And then what happened? He sunk. We know that Thomas, he too, lacked faith. Uh, after Jesus was crucified, did not believe that, uh, that he had risen from the dead. And this reminds us, church, and this should be a comfort to us. Let me tell you this, okay? This reminds us. That even those that lived with and walked with Jesus, even those that saw his miracles, even those that saw him do things that we could only dream of him doing, they still lacked faith at times. And how often are we like the disciples in this area? Despite what we have seen God do, how often do we lack faith in the storms of life? Listen, if Christ could rescue the disciples from this, I want you to know He is able to rescue each of us from the storms of our everyday life. He's able to fix your marriage. He is able uh, to, to, to fix that hard situation in your family. He's able to heal you of, of the, the sickness that you may uh, be dealing with. However, if He doesn't, we can have comfort that He is still with us. Because again, listen, it may not be God's will to take it away. It may not be God's will to cause the storm to cease. So if he doesn't, we can thank God that he is with us. I mean, just imagine if he wasn't with us. Imagine if the storm was happening with the disciples, and imagine if Jesus was not there. Imagine how terrifying that would be. You know, I've heard people say before, you know, as they're, they're going through hard times in their life, they say, I don't know how lost people do it. I just, I just don't get it how people that do not trust Christ, how they can get through it. Thank God He is with us. And the fact of the matter is, church, it's not 
how bad your storm is that matters. It's simply who is with you in that storm that matters. We must not be focused on the storm, but rather be focused on the Savior. We must not be looking at all the problems that are going on around us, but instead be looking to the author and the finisher of our faith, which is Jesus Christ. And we need to realize that we have a refuge in God. He seeks to grow us and mature us and to shape us in this storm, and He is with us the entire way, and He is a source of strength for us. Let's go to Psalm 46. Psalm 46. Look at Psalm 46. And may this be a great comfort to all of you that may be going through some hard times right now. And even for those of you that are not, may this be a great comfort for when you are. Psalm 46, verse 1. Now, let me just say this. You know, a lot of times when people are going through hard times, they want people to say, well, you know what? Everything's going to be fine. It's going to pass. Well, again, we don't know that. So if it doesn't pass, we can know God is our strength. Look at verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear Though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. Hey, listen, God is there in your storm. He is a refuge. He is a high place. He is our strength. He brings us peace and He gives us help in the midst of trouble. So again, for those of you here this morning that are going through a storm, even right now, I want you to know that God is there. He's there. And He can help you. We can trust God. And we can be in awe of His great power. The disciples, after Jesus did this, and after His rebuke, they were really in awe of what they had witnessed. I mean, just imagine being there. They knew He was God before. But this right here shed much more light on that truth. And this leads to the final verse in Mark chapter 5. Let's go back there. We're going to look at the final verse of this chapter where I call each of us to make a decision. In verse 41. Look at verse 41. They feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? So the disciples, they went from not being afraid of the storm, or they were sorry, they went from being extremely afraid of the storm to not being afraid of the storm, and now they feared Christ. And this fear... It wasn't like a, a, a fear that they were like, oh man, i got to jump out of the boat and get out of here. No, no. This was a reverential fear. They were like, man, we, are, we have God right there. This is God that's standing before me. This was a, 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 a fear that they were just in awe of Him. And they said, who then is this? And again, they knew before who this was, but they knew more now than they had ever had that this was God. And they, they had... Their faith tested. A child of God, I call each of you 
to trust in Christ in the midst of your storm. I, I call upon you to find strength to endure in Him. Whether you're going through your storm publicly or privately, you need to lean on Him. You need to understand that He is the Lord of the storm. And again, He could change your circumstances. But whether He does or not, you need to ask God, teach me whatever it is that you want me to know in the storm. However long it lasts, teach me. Teach me. Show me what you'd have me to learn. He is the Lord of the storm. And for those of you here that have not yet turned to Christ, can you not see very clearly today that Christ truly is God? And don't you see that He is the only way to have true peace? The same God that brought peace to the storm, He is the same God that can bring peace to your life right now. Look, if you're, if you're looking for peace, you need to understand that you've come to the right place. Only in Christ can we find real peace. You know, the, the world is seeking peace in many things. And I kind of mentioned that in the beginning. They, they go to, to drugs. We've seen that. They go to alcohol. They, they look for peace in food or pleasure or people or some other means. But they're never going to find it. They're never going to find it. Because true peace is only found in Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you've been on a search for peace and you've been looking in vain places, I want to tell you to stop. Stop looking for peace and instead just come to Christ this morning and obtain the peace of God that passes all understanding. If you come to Christ, you have peace with God. And there's no greater peace and have peace with God because that peace is a peace that lasts for eternity. It's never going to change. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.